Welcome to the Audit Room, the number one podcast where you can share your audit experiences, ask questions, and get expert coaching and feedback. Episodes are recorded live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago Time, 12 noon New York, and 6 p.m. Berlin. So be sure to check the show notes to join our next meeting and get all your auditing questions answered. Now, here are our hosts, Trent Russell and Tracy Marquardt. This podcast is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, the services firm that helps auditors leapfrog up the analytics maturity model. Their approach for launching audit analytics programs with a series of proven quick win analytics will guarantee the results worthy of the analytics hype. Whether your audit team needs a data strategy, methodology, governance, literacy, or anything else related to audit and analytics, visit greenskiesanalytics.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Quality Assurance Communication. If you're an internal auditor who wants to take your own or your team's communication skills and audit results to the next level, who wants to create more for yourself, your team, and your organization, no matter where you work around the globe, then check out Quality Assurance Communication at qacommunication.com. Hello, everyone. This is Trent Russell. I'm the co-host and moderator of The Audit Room on Zoom. We are live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago time. I'm also the founder of Green Skies Analytics. We are the go-to place for all things internal audit and analytics. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Tracy Marquardt. Thanks, Trent. I am Tracy Marquardt, known as Europe's leading audit communication consultant, helping audit teams on all things related to communication so that they can improve their productivity and help the business create more value. And also responsible for serious business games in Canada. So if you haven't tried us out, give me, um, get in touch and uh, we'll hook you up there. And I am really excited today because we have Hal Guerin back in the house. And we had Hal back, I think, early fall last year. And um, as you all know, Hal is very, uh, I would say, prolific on LinkedIn by anyone's standards because I've seen your stats, Hal, on how many posts that you make. And I love how you track posts. And actually, my team is tracking posts now um, because of your inspiration. And Hal has been named by Richard Chambers as a thought leader two years in a row, which is quite an honor. So Hal, welcome to the audit room. Hey, pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invite. And Hal, we're talking Hello about everybody. The, the, the title we have is Professional Development for Internal Audit. And I know some of the work that you've done with the C-Risk Academy. For those that aren't familiar, it's lowercase c and then R-I-S-K Academy. Um, I think if if nothing else, uh, your perspective from your involvement with C-Risk Academy um, is one reason we wanted to have you on to talk about this. And then also just in general, when it comes to the world of internal audit, I I feel like there's very few subjects that we couldn't just roll you out there and start pegging you with questions. So thank you uh, very much for coming on. My pleasure. Roll me out on anything. All right. Roll. All right. Let's roll it then. Uh, Why do you think the professional development system for internal auditors is broken? There's a lot of things I could say about that. I'll start with two observations. One, I think, is that we have been for a very long time, because of certifications, acculturated to chase CPE. If something is really good, but it doesn't provide CPE, we're hesitant to do it. Or we get to the end of the year and we go, oh, my gosh, I'm short on CPE. You know, and so you go chasing CPE. And 
no slight on the firms, you know, know, or anybody else out there, you know, who are doing them, you know, but free CPE is, is a model that is designed at best to impart knowledge, but it isn't a model that's designed to create skills or competence. So I think that's one issue is that we're cha- we, we, we unfortunately, because of the CPE requirements, sometimes end up chasing quantity as opposed to quality. I think the other thing is that, you know, if you flash back almost two years ago to the day when the pandemic started with people abruptly being told, don't come into an office anymore, go home. We have changed how we work as a result of all of that. Um, And training models and training providers have not evolved with situations where people are going to, clearly they're going to travel less for just about anything. And companies probably aren't, CFOs probably aren't going to want to pay for travel expenses to the level they used to, you know, so they might look at it a little bit more carefully. People do not want to sit for hours on end and replicate conferences, two-day, three-day, five-day trainings by sitting at, staring at a screen day for eight hours a day to no end at a predetermined time. Um, And, you know, and I mentioned people don't learn by watching one hour webinars because raise your hand. You don't have to, I will. (laughs) Who who multitasks during that one hour webinar kind of half listening. And then you go, Oh crap. Did I miss a, a polling question because I don't want to miss out on my CPE, you know? So I think, I think the, you know, I do have answers. We can talk through some of my general thoughts because if I had the answer, I'd just go off and do it. But I think the old models, bottom line is chasing CPE is not the answer for professional development. And the old models of going somewhere to get trained are not, is not necessarily what people are going to be looking for going forward. Should we brand those folks? I think myself included, probably all of us have done it as CPE chasers. Yeah, I, I, I joke with uh, Jason Mefford quite often when we talk about this and we say, you know, we have, people have got to stop binging on junk CPE. Well, they certainly you know, don't. Add it's filling, value. but it doesn't actually serve the need. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't serve the need. And I think, I mean, I, for one, I offer webinars regularly and I did at the start of the pandemic thought, because none of us knew how long this was going to go on. And I thought, I'm going to be out of touch with my clients for who knows how long, how do I serve? And so I offered for the first time, three webinars in a row, each on a different topic to all my clients. So usually there's silos of clients and I broke it down and anybody could attend and anybody could get their CPEs. 
Um, but it wasn't open to the public. And then since then, I've done a lot of webinars open to the public. But I have to say, I don't offer CPEs. And I've often wondered if I should. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you don't think that's the answer. Well, I think CPE is a valuable benefit because if people are caught between a decision, I want this and there's two, there's two equally interesting opportunities and one provides CPE and one Mm -hmm. doesn't, people will pick the one that provides CPE, you know, but I, you know, the, this, I don't know how to fix this. Um, you know, I'll just say, you know, many certifications require 40 hours of CPE annually, plus or minus, depending on yeah. what the certification is and the requirements are um, and your employment status. But, you know, it's hard for organizations to pay for 40 hours of CPE if there's a price tag associated with all 40 hours. We've been um, trained by many of our organizations that we don't have to personally invest in ourselves because our organizations will pay for it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not, it's, it's, it's your performance development, you know, it leaves with you wherever you go, yet we expect our organizations to pay for it. Um, And so having the CPE attached to it is probably helpful. I I agree. I think if somebody actually pays to attend, they should absolutely get their CPEs for it. I also don't understand why Auditors don't take more responsibility for their own professional development. Um, And I, you know, we can't make that broad sweeping across every auditor for sure, but I certainly see in enough of the group that, that there isn't, there doesn't seem to be a desire to, to make a significant investment in their own development. Some do. Yeah. And I think the bar is lower and I don't mean this disrespectfully because I will say I did it too. Mm -hmm. You know, I would go and, you know, get approval for something that I wanted to go do and I'd be told yes. But if the person sitting across the table asked me this question, well, would you go if you were paying for it out of your own pocket? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me get back to you. On <laughs> you know, um, it's easy. It's easy to spend somebody else's money, even though we're supposed to be spending our company's money like it was our own. You know, um, and so you know, you know, I'm not. I'm. A, I'm. I'm not asking you this to answer it, Trent. I'm asking it rhetorically. But how many people were physically there in Las Vegas at GAM? And how many people would be there physically if they were writing the check out of their own pocket? Mm-hmm. And the number we know the number would be significantly less. Right. Right. And so we've got to change the mindset of organizations, the mindset of us as individuals. And we've got to realize that chasing CPE um, and, you know, it's the old, you know, you know, Quality costs money. If you want quantity, you know, go to the buffet. You know, <laughs> you can have all you can eat 
free, relatively free or free CPE and just load up on it. And, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, I've been playing in my mind lately on this topic is, does the IIA standards call for knowledge, skills, or competence in the execution of internal audit work? It calls for competence. Well, knowledge is not skills and skills is not competence. I, mean, I use the example of, um, you know, there was a pro, I couldn't get our weed whacker to work right and I couldn't respool the line on it. And this is going to sound like a silly example, but I watched a YouTube video and yeah. it showed me how to do it. And I go, got it. I went out into the garage and I started working on it. And I went, wait a minute. That isn't exactly like I had in mind. I had knowledge. I had no skills. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I took the, I took the video with me and I'm tinkering and tinkering. And it took me a really long time. And now every time the weed eater breaks, I have got a skill that I can, I know I can fix it. But if the neighbor came over with his brand of weed eater, that's completely different from mine. Do I have the competence to fix weed eaters? No. The I standard calls for competence and we chase knowledge. Mm. It's a complete disconnect. Yeah. And I think so one of the things we've got to figure out is, you know, that learning has got professional development has got to have two other pieces that it doesn't have today in many respects. We go, we, we watch something, we watch a webinar, we watch a training session, we go to a conference, we don't mm -hmm. practice. We don't have the opportunity to practice and talk about it with others, at least. And we don't have a chance to apply and that's why I run my, I mean, everything is virtual right now. I've got a couple of in-person gigs scheduled in June. So fingers crossed those happen. But um, that's one of the things that I actually build into my online workshops. I've cut it into smaller chunks and they actually have time off to put it into practice. And then they come back to another session and they've got to show us what they've done. They've got to present what they've done. They've got to explain yes. why they did what they did. Otherwise it doesn't work. No, it doesn't, you know, or you think, you know, you, you think you know it until you go to do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. you realize you don't. Let exactly. me just read a comment, if I may. I've got a comment from Ziva who said, I agree regarding the certifications. I thought about getting a CISA, CISA certification, but gave up that idea because I'm already CIA accredited and didn't want to have to report 60 or more CPEs a year. 40 CPEs is hard enough, hmm. right? And then um, Julio says, would love to see some project-based training programs like getting four hours CPE after building a risk assessment, two hours after completing an audit report with certain communication objectives. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great for the hands-on piece. I, I always liked one of the few things I remember from my stats class um, years and years ago was that you retain 95% of what you teach. And so I always liked the idea of the, the, organizations that, uh, Hey, look, you can go to this training. When you come back, you have to present Absolutely. your takeaways or how you implemented whatever it was. Um, 
I know when I do sessions, I'll pick topics sometimes and I'm like, I don't know a ton about this. I know enough. And then that makes me go dig into it to make sure that I can figure it all out. So that when I teach it to others, I retain it better. Um, it's one reason I seek out um, some, some sessions like that, but. Um, and that's what I think that, you know, to that, I think that this is going to be a little bit of heresy um, with regard to conference models. You know, when you go to a conference, you know, yeah, the keynote sessions are great. They're enter- they should be entertaining, you know, and all that kind of stuff and, and all that. And then you go to a plethora of concurrent sessions, one right after the other, right after the other. And if you're diligent, you take some notes mm-hmm. or, you know, what the speaker says, you know, doesn't resonate with you. But what it gets you thinking about makes you take some notes about some things you want to look into or do. And then how many times do you get back and your work schedule crowds out your best intentions and nothing ever happened? You know, it's, it's like it's like successive webinars going to concurrent sessions. I heard a bunch of interesting stuff, but if I don't do anything with it fairly soon, it didn't accomplish much. It might have it might have enlightened me to something, you know. Um, but unless I do something with it, so uh, yeah, the, the the problem has been that we are seeking knowledge, as I mentioned, and we're not good at. Developing skills and letting those skills become competence over time. We get skills and competence because we're forced to do audits we know nothing about, <laughs> you know, and we fake our way through it the first time and, you know, and we start learning and we start developing, we start to develop skills and competence and, and, and things like that. So it's the, it's the repetition, you know, it's the doing. And some of that I would call on-the-job training. You know, when we're we're put into situations where we have to kind of figure it out, we have some of the knowledge, we may have um, some of the skill, but we don't, haven't really practiced it enough or in depth. And so, getting in there and actually doing the work is what's going to help us. As Trent was saying that as well, it's, it's going to help us be better at executing the next time and internalizing the ability. Yeah. So I think my I don't have the answer. I don't know how to make this happen because it's so complicated um, in the remote world that many of us are, are living in these days um, and will in into the foreseeable future much more than we ever thought imaginable just two years ago. Mm-hmm. But I think that professional development has to have a component, some components to it to be successful. One component is that it has to be available on demand. You know, yes, people will travel somewhere for something, but I don't think that's going to be anywhere near as prevalent as it was before. And watching stuff for days on end with no interaction is not going to be successful because it's just people are going to be bored and fatigue and even if they're paying attention at all distracted so the more it can be on demand on on my time on my schedule on my device that's one component but there has to be some way to allow for 
practice and learning built into it. You know, so it might be do this session anytime this next, I'm going to make this up, do this session anytime this next week, because the next session is next week. Mm-hmm. And here's the, the things you have to do between sessions. And you have to demonstrate somehow that you've actually done them and you build. And to be honest, how I mean, this is what I love about serious business games. I know you joined us in the audit room last week. We had yep. Dr. Dominic Forster here. And there's a whole storyline behind the game. And there's multiple levels. And you're interacting and you're making decisions. And you're either asking questions or you're answering questions to try and move through different levels of the game. And it's on your own pace. And it yep. it is interactive in that sense is that um, you can't move forward unless you interact with the characters. And that so that's... That's something I really appreciate about those. Um, if it's okay, can I read a couple of the comments? Yeah, I just want to, um, let me add real quick the other yeah. two elements to it. And then, um, so it's on demand. It's, you know, there's got to be practice to drive learning. There has to be a demonstrate a sense of achievement. You know, the gaming models mm-hmm. do that, mm-hmm. you know, you know, that you can demonstrate you know, that, that you can, you know, we're, we're, we're used to these things like, you know, tr- you know, gaming and stuff like that, where, you know, I reach a level, you know, I get an award, I get something. And so some way to demonstrate achievement along the way, or, you know, I want to get to the next level. I want to demonstrate my sense of achievement. And the fourth piece is to drive community. Hmm. As people are spending more time working remotely and their interaction with people is not hallway chatter or going to lunch with people or working as a team physically and their interaction is like this, the more you can drive community where people get who are going through a similar experience get to talk about it with each other to help cement the learning and create a joint sense of accountability with each other. Um, And so on-demand practice, demonstrating achievement and driving community somehow have to be part of um, the future professional development models, in my opinion. Sorry. No, no, that's great. I apologize if I cut you off earlier. That's, I I think, four real important parts. Tracy, do you want to go to the chat real quick? And then after that, we can address that and then... um, I'm going to kind of summarize what might be practical advice that folks can take. Okay, super. So Chaz says, can we build these competencies within the idea of the 40-hour norm? Seems we must be able to dedicate more hours to build several competencies or focus on just a few of those competencies within our dedicated and available time. Thoughts? So to me, the answer is if we're doing a really good job of risk-based planning and really good job of driving a risk-based audit plan. And we then look at that plan and go, here's where we have the competencies to execute that plan and here's where we don't. And now option A is co-source, outsource because we don't want to develop those competencies because they're transitory. Mm -hmm. We're not gonna use them a lot. 
or it's too expensive to develop those competencies for ourselves. Let's get somebody else to do that. And then here are the competencies we don't have, but we want to develop within our team. Now, where do we get them? How do we get them? Start with the plan. You know, yes, there are professional development is also about the individual and the individual has their own professional development needs that might not drive from the plan. So as you start with the plan and you drive down, then you also have to come bottom up with each individual. Um, But I think the answer starts with if you're doing a good job of developing your plan and you peel it apart and really understand the competencies you need, the answer starts. What what about when it comes to the individual though? And if you're asking an auditor to build their competency in a certain area, but they're full out as many auditors are 40 hours a week or more, how is an auditor supposed to address that? Take that professional development time onto themselves? Or, I mean, I think it also comes down to audit planning is there needs to be enough room to let the team develop. Yeah, I think it is a bit of a cop-out if we as individuals expect our organizations to manage our professional development plan. It's up to us. It's our plan. Mm -hmm. We want help from the organization and we want to be pointed in certain directions that will help the organization be successful while we're being successful, but it's about our success. And I don't think it is unrealistic to expect people, and I'm just going to use the number 50. You know, absent vacation, there's 50 weeks in a year for most people, you know, and if you can't carve out one week, one hour a week of your time to invest in yourself, then you're making a huge mistake as an individual. Forget about the organization. I don't care if it's, you know, 40 hours and I'll work 39 or it's 40 hours and I'll find an extra hour and make it 41 or whatever the math is, you know, or, you know, do it Sunday afternoon or do it uh, 2 a.m. when Tracy gets up, you know, (laughs) but you know, it's on yeah. you, you know, just find the hour, it, a week, it is. you know, at a minimum and stop yeah. worrying about chasing 40 hours of CPE and chase 50 or more hours of investing in yourself. That's great. And listen, I, I want to close uh, the comments with something from Julio, who is always inspirational. Julio says, I suspect it comes down to incentives. How many audit shops financially incentivize the team to acquire new relevant skills? Question mark strive to be the innovation leader of the company. And I think, you know, we've had Julio on a couple of times and he is about innovation and he is about excellence. And um, um, so it's something to think about. Is well, with all the job switching that is reportedly um, going on and going to go on, there are two things that come to mind for me. One is like Julio, you wanna be the employer of choice, right? I want to go work for Julio because I know he's going to invest in me. And then I need to be investing in myself to differentiate myself amongst all the noise and not expect my organization to do it, you know? And so, you know, don't, you know, 
invest in yourself because you want to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. If it isn't just because you want to invest in yourself, how am I going to be better, different than the competition that's out there? And how do I find, how do I move from where I am to an employer of choice because I know they're going to support those investments in me mm-hmm. so that I can provide a return to the organization on their investment in me. And that's and are, where I'd want to work. We're, we're coming, up, coming, coming up against uh, time, but I did want to throw this out there and trying to leverage something that Larry Harrington talked about with us a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and then we had a question that, that kind of blends itself into this or lends itself into this. So, uh, Larry was talking about writing your resume for three years in advance or maybe five years in advance. And, and in doing that, you kind of, you can do a skills gap assessment. Okay. If I want to do these four bullet points or whatever it is on my resume, I need to have these skills. And I know that there was a question about, um, focusing on one or two things or just kind of a shotgun approach to, um, personal development. I like that idea of, okay, here's a three-year resume. This is like the one thing that I need to be able to do to get there. That's where I'm going to, that's my area of focus. To me, that makes sense. Are there any holes that you could poke in that? Uh, I'm asking, like, I would, it would be good if you could poke some more holes in that um, or just kind of give your general thoughts around that. And then we can, we can kind of wrap it up. Well, what, yeah, you, you have to align it to what you're interested in and where your aspirations lie. Because if you're chasing something just because, you know, I'll get paid more, you know, if I, you know, if I become, you know, and Trent will roll his eyes on this one because this is just not me. But, you know, if I become really good at data analytics, I'll be so marketable. But it bores me to tears. I'm not interested. Well, that's the wrong reason, right? So you got to align where the the needs of the world are going to be with what you're interested in so that you have a passion about it, right? So, yeah, you need to project where life is going and what the expectations in the future are going to be but invest in yourself where you're going to be passionate about wanting to do something yeah. about it. I agree. Totally agree. Perfect. All right. Well, I will uh, take us out and then Tracy, I'll throw it to you. How, if you have any closing words, uh, that'd be great as well. Uh, this is the audit room on zoom. Again, we're live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central standard time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago time. Uh, you can get the links to the zoom uh, connect with myself or Tracy on LinkedIn. Tracy posts that link on like every group uh, in, in every audit group, it's available. I Only in two audit groups. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If, yeah. if, you, if you log in on a Tuesday morning and you're connected with the, one of the two of us, you'll you'll see the link. Um, we'll yeah, also absolutely. start trying to include those in, the, in our newsletters and things like that. So people can attend. Thank you all very much for those that attended. Tracy, I'll throw it to you and then Hal. Absolutely. Up. Listen, if you've Um, If you've attended today um, or if you're listening to the replay, thank you so much for joining us. Please connect with with me, with Trent, with Hal on LinkedIn if you haven't already. Um, I'm known as Europe's leading audit communication consultant. So if you need help with your team to uh, get them communicating more effectively within the team or externally outside the audit department, get in touch. Um, We've touched on serious business games. So if you want to know more about that, reach out to me, send me a DM on LinkedIn and... uh, 
I'll get you a test license or we'll have a chat about it. And Hal, thank you so much for joining us again. It's My pleasure. always it's fun. fun here. It's fun. Yeah. So Pat, last words is uh, one of the articles I had been working on that should hit internal audit 360 sometime within the next couple of weeks is about why internal audit is a technology laggard. And mm -hmm. so um, keep an eye out for that. Follow me on LinkedIn. You'll, you'll, you'll see daily what's on my mind. Absolutely. It's always fun. <laughs>